everybody, welcome back into Mining Stock Daily. Happy to have a new company and CEO onto the show for an introduction. This show goes out to all those hardworking people at Red Canyon in Nevada because we got their uh, their head honcho, Mr. Jason Kosick here. Uh, Jason, welcome to Mining Stock Daily. Thank you very much for having me. It's a pleasure. Yeah, it's a, it's a pleasure to have you on. Uh, this is a, a story that I've been somewhat following from a distance, but you did have uh, some really nice drill results out from the Red Canyon project there. We're going to get into those results here momentarily, but uh, Jason, I thought first we need to kind of lay some some ground, some foundation work here about you and the company, but let's focus on really, uh, you know, you're not necessarily new to the game. I, you're somewhat new as to the management CEO position here for millennial, for millennial Precious Metals, but you've got a pretty good history here and experience. So why don't you walk us through what you've been up to uh, prior to this position? Yeah, sure, Trevor. Well, you know, it all started uh, at Cote Lake, or now Cote Gold, uh, in 2009 when we put, put the first holes uh, into that project, and now, you know, it's over 14 million ounces. Uh, we sold that project when I was with Trelawney to IM Gold for $680 million in June 2012. Uh, subsequent to that, I was with IM Gold in their development program, so went through all their assets through West Africa and Suriname and stuff like that. Uh, following that, um, I met up with Sean Rusin and, and Eric Sprott and Tom Obradovich, and they really, as a structural geologist, wanted to kind of put together a kinematic and structural model um, for the Barkerville, which is the caribou gold asset. Um, so Terry and I spent about over a year underground uh, putting a detailed structural map together and really um, built the model that really turned the drill program around and, and went from a 10% hit rate to a 90% hit rate and put over 5 million ounces there. Uh, Ruben and I uh, also did a lot of the technical work at Windfall. So, you know, over the last kind of 10 years, I've put up over close to 25 million ounces of discovery. And, you know, two of the three or all three actually are now uh, in construction or going into production today. So, you know, I'm young, but uh, I've done it a few times and I've been around the block. And, you know, I think you learn from a lot from your mistakes and in, in, in previous incarnations. So. Can you explain to us, uh, just because it's a naive question, I'm sure people are interested what is the expertise of a structural geologist as compared to, say, an exploration geologist? You know, good, good question. And, and really, a structural geologist understands the structure of where the gold-bearing fluid is coming up. Uh, so all gold deposits have some sort of structure tied to the mineralizing event. Uh, so we put together a kinematic model of... of kind of how the architecture came to be and understand the fluid pathway, which is bringing in, in, in the mineralization. Okay. Very good. Uh, so, but the, you didn't stop the, Oh, sure. go ahead. Sorry. A, a lot of L tectonites and S1 <laughs> surfaces and, and fun things like that. Okay. Very good. Uh, smile on both of our faces here, everybody. Uh, but I do that. You didn't stop there. I mean, you went on to a Cisco and you've worked with some pretty big heavy hitters in the project. I mean, uh, this conversation came on the back of an introduction from Doug Ramshaw, my dad from Anera Alamos. Are you familiar with their projects? So you've done a lot of work and obviously coming from a Cisco as well. So, you know, let, you know, keep on walking us down the career pathway. 
Yeah, so then uh, after that, I uh, was was with Osisco, uh, with Osisco Development, Minera Alamos, uh, Sable Resources we built, which is focused on Latin America, which my partner Ruben Padilla uh, runs. We're the second largest landholder in San Juan, and I believe the second or third uh, in the Sierra Madre. My other partner runs Talisker Resources, which we have about 85% of the Spence's Bridge Belt, and we have the Braylor asset. And I guess one thing I should mention, I come from the Talisker group uh, and we did all the technical due diligence for all Cisco based uh, companies. Okay, very good. Uh, give me a sense of jurisdiction here because you've been all over the map. Uh, you know, and but you're now focused really in Nevada with uh, with this Red Canyon project with Millennial. Uh, you know, it, 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 it's like Burgundy with wine. Like you can start broad, but it always comes back to Nevada or Burgundy, you know, Burgundy. Like why, what is it about Nevada that uh, continues to attract everybody? Well, I'm a Bordeaux fan. So maybe like, you're, <laughs> maybe you're like the Abitibi and, and I'm, I'm like Nevada. So we'll, we'll, we can argue that, but uh, you know, working around the world, you know, one of the biggest things that you can mitigate against is is jurisdiction you know it's like uh buying a nice piece of ocean from property it's, it's never going to really go down because you know there's only so much ocean front and i think really uh trying to mitigate risk uh in such a risky business in 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 itself places like nevada which is you know i think believe the fifth largest gold producer in the world a really good um place to permit, uh, drill, and just how well endowed that piece of the crust is, is really something substantial. Um, And like I said, it really helps uh, with a a pro-mining government in place there. So, so, so what came first in this endeavor? Was it the land and the project and then the idea of taking on this position as CEO? Or was it, I want to be a CEO and then find a project? Well, I'd be lying to you if I, from a, uh, when I, once I stopped playing in the CFL, I wanted to run mining companies. That's, that was kind of my goal my whole life. Um, but how it all came to be is uh, after we sold uh, Barkerville to a Cisco development, uh, really we wanted to get our toehold into the United States. And, and by we, I mean Terry, Ruben, myself. And we did over 337 desktop reviews. And primarily looking at assets in Idaho, Utah, Nevada, Arizona, and New Mexico, obviously avoiding California and Montana for permitting reasons. And from that 337 um, desktop reviews, uh, we then went and did 47 site visits all during the pandemic. And from that, uh, we pulled together seven assets which formed the base of the portfolio uh, of Millennial Precious Metals. And it's a really nice diversified portfolio uh, with some really nice development assets, but also a lot of exploration assets that give you that nice torque that commonly a sleepy development doesn't. And, you know, assets like Red Canyon would be one of those nice exploration targets. I I take it Red Canyon is like the flagship project within the portfolio? Um, You know, I think when you put out, 54 meters of four and a half grams oxide from surface 35 kilometers from from Cortez. I think, you know, it obviously has that staple on it. But the way I like to put it, Trevor, is, is Wildcat and Mountain View have the ounces and they put a peg in the evaluation. 
Uh, and then the red canyon and all the other parts of the portfolio is really your blue sky and your free carry. So, you know, I think we, you know, it's our flagship exploration asset, but there's a, you know, with such a diversified portfolio, um, we really put focus on, 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 on the three assets. Okay. Well, let's uh, jump into these latest drill results from Red Cannon. You mentioned it, uh, 54 meters of four and a half grams per ton oxide gold. It also included a 22 meter interval of nine at 0.18 grams per ton gold. Uh, just really outstanding, uh, you know, first take here with the drill, you know, you, anybody in Nevada, let alone, you know, anywhere going after oxide gold would be incredibly thrilled with these results. Uh, were you at all surprised and how does this kind of affect your strategy for exploration moving forward? Yeah. You know, I, I, I maybe set the bar too high on this one. Uh, those are some pretty good results right out of the gate. Uh, which we're, we're quite pleased about. And, you know, the average grade in the Great Basin, I believe, is like 0.38. So this is orders of magnitude uh, uh, above that. And, and we're really happy with the results. And, and one of the reasons we are really happy about it is the unit that is hosting the mineralization is actually in a calcareous siltstone. So you're, you're off the carbonate platform and into the deeper water sediments. And when we were looking at the asset, we were actually a little bit concerned because it's, of its proximity to McEwen and Gold Bar and Tonkin Springs. And where they sit in the stratigraphic packages is into the sands and into the mudstones. And why that's significant is, is that it has intercalated carbonaceous material. And that carbon is activated carbon. So it's, it's, it sours the pad and it's, uh, and, and, and it's preg rock. So, once we saw it come out of the core, we were very thrilled. And it's one unit that, that hosts, the, hosts the whole thing. Uh, it's open to the northeast, southwest, and uh, to the southeast. And I think you know, what we'll do is start taping, taking step outs to define this horizon. Uh, and really, as an exploration geologist and a structural geologist, these are the things that get me really excited. Is, Commonly, you know, there's a big range and, and, and we don't know what it's going to be yet, but, you know, they range from, you know, 300,000 like old gold bar to plus 22 million ounces. And, and where we sit in that spectrum is we don't know yet. Um, the, this first phase, um, people had previously drilled all around the area with RC. Um, nothing like this, though. In what we are using for the first phase is do all oriented core with PQ, log it out of the splits, so we could understand, have a, a better understanding of the stratigraphy, what was hosting the mineralization, and then also put together a kinematic and structural model to see what is, is happening with, with, with the faulting. Because you have to, in, in Carlin systems like Red Canyon, the fluid migrates up these faults and then bleeds out along a more reactive rock. So the first phase was 12 holes. We just released our first two, so 10 more uh, coming underway. And from that, we will then I'll let the geologists do the proper systematic scientific work and not worry about the market. And that takes time. So they'll put together this model, layer it with the geochemistry, the geophysics, so that when we come back uh, next year in the first quarter, we have a better chance of success. Because one thing I can tell you, 
uh, as a geologist who's been doing this for quite some time, is when you start taking big step outs, you're going to miss. And that, that, that is a given, and I can promise you that. So in order to keep news flow to the market, um, we've just finished the Red Canyon program, the first phase. The drills will now go to Mountain View and then to Wildcat, and then they'll come first full circle back to Red Canyon once the proper systematic scientific work is done. How how far of step outs do you think you'd be taking in the second campaign at Red Canyon? So we'll do uh, step outs of 50 meters down to the southeast. Um, 50 meters, 75 meters of 50 meters should give you uh, inferred. And as we step out to the southeast to test it, test the mineralization down dip, and then we could start stepping out to the south, um, southwest and northeast to define it down down plunge. Okay, very good. Uh, the the Carlin continues to just be a breadbasket for exploration work, which is incredibly you know for somebody who doesn't step foot on the ground every day to think, you know, you would think just looking at it and how long it has been mined that, you know, it'd be, wouldn't be as plentiful as it is as far as still looking for mineralization. Can you comment on just how much, uh, land along the Carlin trend continues to like look pretty good, not just for millennial, but for the rest of your peers and colleagues? You know, it's absolutely unbelievable. I, I, I actually never worked in, in, in Carlin um, or in, in Nevada, but all my geos have their ex-Barrick, uh, Hecla, um, some PhD guys as well. And it's unbelievable how well endowed that, that piece of the crest is. And I think, you know, assets like Red Canyon and, and Wildcat and Mountain View, you know, nothing's easy. But when you get nice signatures right on surface, it's it's uh, makes our life a lot easier. But I still think there's plenty of exploration to be done in looking at things that are undercover, low sulfidation epithermals, which are like our development assets. So they give a nice signature on surface, uh, mercury, arsenic, antimony, nice CSAMT signatures. So I think there's a lot of work to be done. Also drilling, you know, below the upper plate and into the lower plate stuff, like alteration, um, exploration plans like that. I think there's a lot of potential. And I think that's kind of why I'm so excited about both the development assets, but along with the, with our exploration assets as well. You said something really powerful there a few minutes ago when you said, allow the geologists to do their work and not be worried about the market cap. Uh, so you walk both those shoes, obviously one foot's the structural geologist in you. The next foot is the CEO of the company and speaking with investors and people interested in investing in projects such as myself. So how do you balance that? How do you balance that too? on? Not, not just for yourself, but really allowing your team to say, don't worry about the market price. Yeah. You know, you got to be very pragmatic and put the capital to work in, in, a, in a responsible way. And I always learned, you know, don't let the geologists worry about money. Don't let them worry about the share price and just do the science. Um, and, you know, I've been on, on both sides and we have enough. We have $23.2 million in the bank today. So they have enough time to do that. Um, and I honestly believe if you do the proper work and you de-risk the assets and you mark it with a drill bit and let the geology and the results speak for itself. And when you do proper work, you know, that it reflects that. 
And then it makes my job a lot easier because, you know, we, the story sells itself. Yeah. Uh, so let's take a step away from Red Canyon uh, because you have what, six other projects in the portfolio. So this, I mean, it's it's not a one, obviously not a one asset uh, company here. Uh, all these are located in Nevada. Um, I'll let people go to the website or if you want to walk through them, please go through uh, and just kind of highlight what these projects are and really what the work throughout the year and maybe into next year, since you do have about 25 million bucks in the, in the bank, talk about how you're going to systematically deploy those with, amongst the other projects. For sure. Uh, I'll start off with Wildcat. Um, so right now, you know, it's almost a development stage asset. Uh, they're right now it's sitting at 776,000 ounces of oxide right at surface, no strip with 700,000 ounces of potential. Uh, reason why it's potential is because uh, we had to, obviously the drill spacing, but a lot of the historical data, we couldn't validate the, the callers. Um, and this year's program is an 8,000 meter program. It'll start in the third quarter. And that program will feed the updated resource. And that resource will then be the base for the PEA. And I think, you know, right now there's clear visibility to 1.2, 1.3 million ounces of oxide alone. You know, when Allied Nevada had this, it was part of their growth portfolio. They had 3.2 million ounces uh, on the board. Okay, so significant growth uh, on, on a resource base uh, with Wildcat alone. Um, the next asset is Mountain View, which we just started drilling right now. It currently sits at 476,000 ounces. A um, little bit higher of a strip, but the grade is substantially higher at almost 0.59. Um, it's a 9,000 meter program that will again feed the updated resource in the second quarter of 22. That will be the base case for the PEA uh, in, in, in the third quarter. And both are really interesting assets. They're low sulfidation epithermals. And what they've done is, I, you know, I'd like to paint the picture of, think about these things as a, as a, as a mushroom. And all the disseminated low-grade gold and low-temperature fluids sit in the cap of the mushroom. And the real high-grade mineralization is, is, is the stem. So the fluid migrates up the stem and then bleeds out along a more permeable unit. And the reason why we got so excited about these is there's some really nice historical intercepts that were never really drilled, like 80 feet of 8 grams, 35 feet of 17 grams, right in the bonanza zone, 70 feet of 7, 20 feet of 12, a meter and a half, and I think over 500 grams. So this was never really properly filled off. And so this year's program is to really infill so we can see what the resource conversion rate is and then understand the plumbing system so we know what kind of beast we're looking at. You know, commonly these things, if the cap is preserved, you got about 250 to 500 meters of, of, of vertical continuity. Uh, so they have the potential to be, you know, two to 10 million. And, and I don't know where it's going to be. But, uh, you know, I think that really separates us from a lot of other junior companies in the space is that we have a really nice um, uh, uh, resource base, you know, a lot like Integra, uh, growing them kind of over the two and a half million ounces of oxide in the next year and a bit which would put you as a, as a really quite a big developer player in, in Nevada and in, in with all the, within the whole of Southwest U S. Mm -hmm. So, so how about, uh, there's a couple other, uh, projects here that, uh, probably worthy of a mention. You got Dune Eden, 
Mar and Ocelot. Uh, you know, that's kind of just around the uh, the uh, Battle Mountain Eureka trend corridor there. Yeah, so what those are, remember what I said, Trevor, is that all the easy deposits are pretty much found, unfortunately. So what these are is they're more grassroots um, targets, and, and they have, they're all low sulfidation epithermals that are buried. So the veins don't come to surface. The nice silica cap doesn't come to surface. But they have really nice low sulfidation signatures like mercury, arsenic, antimony, things that kind of are the piece of the puzzle that, you know, there might be something there. They have nice geophysics signatures. So way we do it is, is these are kind of phase one. We're going to do some more soils, some mapping, see if we can do some geophysics so that next year when we bring Red Canyon to a resource stage, we can then bring Mar Oslo or Eden or Dune to to a kind of a drill stage. So we always have that nice organic uh, growth pipeline from conceptual grassroots to drilling to resource to PDA to construction and and you know how real mining companies operate. You know, I think <laughs> having a single asset is 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 very risky and an already very risky business. And you know, I like to say you know a portfolio manager doesn't have one investment and nor should an exploration company, you know, so that, that's kind of how we always grow our companies. Yeah. no, oh, that's good. Um, since this is the first time you and I have talked, Jason, let's uh, kind of break down kind of how the company is formed. Uh, you know, who are your major shareholders? How many shares fully diluted or out? And um, you know, just kind of give us the way, the, the way of the land here with millennial. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, so we did it. Uh, we formed the company. It was um, held in a private company that we set up over a year ago. All the assets and the financing were done in the, in the private vehicle. And then we did an RTO. And what we did, though, is we used a delisted shell, but it was a reporting issuer. So we brought in the board lot and the distribution at the, at, at the RTO price at 50 cents. So as tight as you could get a shell, that's kind of what we, what, what we had. Um, right now, you know, I think speaking of a team and a track record, you know, between myself, Terry and Ruben, we have over 59 million ounces of discoveries under our belt. And I think the key metric is, is really, that's only across seven projects and five of them are in construction and production today. And I think that that goes, speaks miles about the quality of ounces we discover. And that's why if you look at our roster, um, you know, you don't see Merck or Vescor or Century um, or Regold come down sub $100 million market cap. Um, and I think that speaks miles about our track record uh, and, and the team that we put together. You know, it's 53% held uh, by institutions. You know, 19, uh, six of the assets, as you know, came from Waterton. They own 99. So a really tight, tight share structure. You know, Trevor, as I said, I was a geologist running around the bush and uh, I put a lot of my own money into it, over 450,000 bucks. It's not like I was running a hedge fund or something like that. You know, geologists aren't paid that that well. So it's a significant um, uh, portion of, 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 of my capital in there as well. Very good. Um, I want to ask you, and I'm going to put you on the spot and you might not be prepared for this, but 
You're the only person that I'm talking to today that can probably provide some editorial thoughts on the big news out of Nevada, which pertaining to the Ely Gold Royalties uh, acquisition by Gold Royalty, which is announced today for $84 million Canadian. It's about $67.5 million U.S. Uh, being real, being focused on Nevada plays and seeing this news out of Ely, you know, what were your initial thoughts on this deal and what it means for Nevada and the royalty projects? You know, I think uh, I'm not familiar with a very, very familiar with the asset, um, or, or, or the transaction, but I think there's a lot of deals to be done in Nevada. Uh, I think, you know, we, I used to work closely with Sean in the Osisco group. You know, you, you got to be careful with royalties in Nevada. Um, you know, there's a lot of properties with, you know, north of 5%, uh, which really starts to hamper the project economics. Um, so, you know, there's a lot of, like I said, a lot of deals to be done. Um, you know, we're lucky uh, with millennials that, you know, Wildcat and Mountain View have a two and two and a half percent respectively. And Red Canyon only has a two percent, but I have a right to buy back one percent for one and a half million, which when we were looking at doing the due diligence in Nevada, a lot of properties are like north of four percent. Wow. Yeah. So, you know, I'm sure there's some more deals to be done, but uh yeah, very good. Uh, Jason, what else? I'm going to give you the last word here before we let you go. What else do uh, we all need to know about Millennial Precious Metals, uh, you know, leading up into hopefully the next uh, announcement of drill results from Red Canyon? Yeah, thanks, Jerry. You know, what we're really trying to do is build a multi-million ounce, multi-asset production company um, uh, with really nice organic growth. Uh, the other thing I think we should mention is is – as we build our brand and as a millennial myself, one thing I really took in a um, strong opinion on is, is having a really well-developed ESG strategy. And I think it's, it's on my, on our generation, sorry, to really be advocates for the environment, for your local communities and be completely transparent from a governance perspective. You know, the industry has always done it. Maybe there's been some bad dogs and, some better ones, um, but I think it's on our own is to really vocalize that you know we can benefit all, all, all from all from mining. And I think you know my generation believes the eggs come from the fridge, and I think we need to do as an industry as a whole really advocate um, that we can do this together and that we're the, one of the biggest backbones of, of society. So. Well said, Jason. Uh, appreciate your time. It's a pleasure finally having this discussion. Best of luck to you and the team. Be safe out there and stay cool. <laughs> thanks a lot, mate. Uh, thanks for the time and thanks for everyone who's listening. Yeah. That's Jason Kosick. He's the CEO of Millennial Precious Metals. They trade on the TSX Venture with the symbol MPM. And that's a wrap for us today here on the pod. We'll be back tomorrow morning with the news briefing and with some more market analysis and corporate updates. Have a great afternoon and evening, everybody. Be well. The information presented should not be considered investment advice. Mining Stock Daily and its affiliates are not responsible for any loss arising from any investment decision in connection with the material presented herein. Please do your own research or speak with a licensed financial representative before making any investment decisions.